Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Post-Super Bowl edition, we've had a wild Super Bowl uh, finish with the Rams beating the Bengals 23-20. Matt Stafford and company get their first ring. Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, MVPs of the Super Bowl, Cooper Cup with the game-winning touchdown. So as we get through the Super Bowl, we got the offseason of the NFL coming up here. Starts immediately. A little bit of a break, and then the combine will be here in another couple weeks. And then free agency will be starting in mid-March. But before we get to all that stuff, we've got to talk to my man. we got two great guests this week. We're going to talk to Tom James. We're also going to talk to Peter Blake. So before we get to Peter, we are going to talk to my man Tom James ESPN play-by-play, Florida Gulf Coast, the award winner of two Edward Morrow Awards when he was a sports director in the TV business, and my good buddy, Tom James. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Jay Powell, being able to share time with an absolute legend like yourself, <laughs> quite the honor. How was Valentine's Day with you and the missus? Uh, it was good. I was just getting back from the left coast. Um, so not as, uh, shall we say festivious as it maybe usually is, yep. but I think she understands. I gotcha. I got, it. all right, let's get right to it. You were out in LA Super Bowl weekend and all the parties, all the celebrities, all the good stuff. You were out there calling the celebrity flag football game out in Malibu, I believe. I know you've done that multiple years uh, for the for the Super Bowl experience. Give the audience a little a little atmosphere of Los Angeles Super Bowl weekend. You ever heard the song "I Love LA"? <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I absolutely love the place. Um, being in Malibu for the uh, Celebrity Sweat. Uh, the 22nd annual Celebrity Flag football game was uh, was absolutely tremendous. Part of Super Bowl weekend. They played it at Pepperdine University. So this is Doug Flutie's team, okay, versus Tracy McGrady's team. Uh, Michael Irvin in there as a celebrity coach. Uh, Anthony Anderson from Blackish, also one of the celebrity coaches. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. Pepperdine University. Anybody that goes to Pepperdine, how they get any studies done, I will never know. It sits up on a mountain overlooking the Pacific Ocean in Malibu. It is absolutely breathtaking. So that game to call was a lot of fun for uh, Bally Sports West. You know, one of the great events, as there are many uh, around Super Bowl weekend. And, and just to kind of soak all that up in beautiful weather, completely sunny in the 80s, Low humidity. What more could you want, buddy? That's it. That's it. And, and those of you that are not 
seeing Tom, you can check us out on the on my YouTube channel, Powers on Sports YouTube. You're gonna see, you can see our interview with Tom. Tom is the quintessential California guy looking. Good looking guy with the with the blonde hair. If you if you drew up California guy, you would draw up Tom James, even though he's never lived in California, I don't think. But he is a USC fan. I know that. He's a big USC guy, but he is your quintessential California guy with those beautiful blonde locks of yours. <laughs> you're, you're too kind. I thought I fit the Florida uh, uh, stereotype pretty well, too. I'm a Florida kid, you know, born and raised. So um, those two states interchangeable outside yeah. of the politics, of course. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, all right. So all the celebrities are very, you know, just give the, again, the audience, uh, uh, how, how all the celebrities and the former athletes very cordial with the fans with just intermingling, how was that seen as far as just the interactions between all these former legends and actors and celebrities? Yeah, I would say 80%, 90%, everybody was very generous with their time for the fans. Um, you know, in and around Super Bowl time, it does get a little bit hectic for uh, for a lot of these people. Yeah. Um, but uh, very gracious uh, with their time. And there's a lot going on out there. As you know, traffic in LA can wear on anybody's nerves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, you know, hundred percent, everybody very cool and uh, just a great weekend and, and capped off with a tremendous Super Bowl with a young quarterback giving way to the veteran quarterback who's finally getting his in Matthew Stafford. Uh, guy, what a, this guy has earned it. Let me tell you, Matthew Stafford has earned it. So yeah. congratulations to him and to the Rams. And I know everybody out in LA are, they're very excited to have the Rams back and on top. Your thoughts on Joe Burrow, the, the ascension that Burrow's made the first couple of years, retooling that franchise, making that franchise relevant relevant again in Cincinnati. Joe, don't change your wardrobe. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love this guy, his clothes. So that doesn't need to change at all. He did everything really that he could have done. Uh, you know, the Bengals to me with him, uh, I'm buying the Bengals long-term as long as they have Burrow and a good supporting staff. Uh, disappointing loss right down to the wire. Uh, nothing to really hold his head low about it all. For sure, for sure. All right, let's transition to the Olympics. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is Ocala, Florida, of all places, is a bit of a hotbed for speed skaters and Olympic speed skaters. Give the audience a little background of how did Ocala, Florida, of all places, become a hotbed for speed skating? Not one, not two, but three medal-winning speed skaters in Beijing from where? Ocala, Florida. Absolutely insane. Uh, this place, of course, known as the horse capital of the world. It's my hometown. Uh, we're very proud of the horses and the ponies up here. Uh, but who knew that we would breed all these great speed skaters Aaron Jackson, Brittany Bowe, Joey Mantia, all coming from Ocala. We don't have an ice rink, J-Pal, in Ocala. <laughs> no? 
Okay, but what we do have is uh, we have great inline skating. And that's how these kids really came up. They, they were inline skaters originally wow. at a little skating rink behind a grocery store off the main drag of Silver Springs Boulevard in Ocala. And they got so good. That's a really competitive world there. They got so good that they decided to go to the blades, uh, go to the ice, and the rest is history. Joey Mantia, of course, won bronze in the team. Uh, Brittany Bow overnight, just several hours ago, won her first ever individual medal in the Olympics. She took bronze in the 1000. And then uh, what a story between Bo and Aaron Jackson. Uh, Jackson won in the goal uh, in the 500. She won gold. Um, she had not qualified for that, had a little mishap in qualifying. Brittany Bo had qualified. Bo gave up her spot knowing that Jackson was easily good enough to get there, gave up her spot to Aaron Jackson. And you talk about making the most of an opportunity. Aaron Jackson is bringing a gold medal in speed skating back to Central Florida. No, that's awesome. I know you, Tom, you work for the city, the, the city of Ocala and that, that whole region down there. Um, are they planning a celebration, a parade? I'm sure they'll do something once the Olympics are over. What, what are they planning? You got any, any insight of what they're planning? Yeah, I've got some insight. It's going to be a big party downtown. I know that. We did it four years ago for them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there, were, there was one medal that came home from that. Uh, Bo won in a team competition four years ago. This time, now all three of them uh, will bring home medals a gold and two bronze. Uh, we will have a, a big event on our downtown square uh, in the coming weeks and months, whenever they are ready. Um, and it will be a great celebration. We're very excited about them That's in awesome. Ocala. All right. So some, let's go from the good news to a couple, couple not so good news tips in, in the Olympics. Michaela Shiprin, as we're recording this, just DNF'd in her third event in the Olympics, did not finish. Missed more gates, didn't didn't finish the course. How you know from an athletic perspective, you and I have been around athletes all our life. How disappointing, how sad are we for a girl like Michaela with all the expectations, and she just for whatever reason hasn't been able to perform at the top at the top of her of her game at the biggest moment of the Olympics. Well, uh, completely inexplicable. I. Um... I feel for her so much. She's a, a, a great gal, Michaela Schifrin. She, I will go on record. She's still the best in the world. Yeah. Um, she has just hit the skids at the wrong time. You know, she, uh, the slalom three times now that she has gone down. And I want to compare it to something. Uh, for those of you old enough to remember the speed skater, Dan Jansen, the American yes. speed skater, Dan Jansen, who was uh, a favorite. Yeah. Coming into the Olympics back in 1988, absolute favorite to win the gold. He fell not only once, but twice. Yeah. Uh, he, he had been coming into that Olympics with some, uh, some family tragedy anyways, uh, fell twice and it was a heartbreaker and left the Olympics with nothing came back. The good news, he came back six years later in 1994, 
golden redemption. He won the gold medal. It's one of the great heartwarming stories that I've ever witnessed in the Olympics. Yeah. Now, the good news for Michaela Schifrin that Dan Jansen didn't have, uh, I could argue that Jansen had more pressure when he came back in 94 because he had never won a medal in the Olympics. The good news for Schifrin is that she already has a vault full of gold medals uh, right. in the bank. Uh, so maybe not so much pressure for her, but if I'm her, I go off the grid. I sit on a deserted island for six months. I go on a bender. I put the <laughs> skis away. Uh, she's only 26, man. Right. Okay. Right. Plenty of time to get her head right, <laughs> work out the kinks and decide, you know, remember who she really is. She is an incredible, incredible talent. She's got it in her. She's already proved it. So I think that uh, just take some time away. And I think she can come back at, at, she'll be 30 in the next Olympics. She'll still be in her prime. Absolutely. No, it's just, it's just, it's just tough because she was, she's been hyped up by the American, by the media here that she was the hope she was going to be the one who was really going to bring home several medals. And like you said, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. Your thoughts on the on the Russian 15-year-old Russian skating controversy. The, the young girl, 15-year-old, fails the drug test. The skater who's supposed to be the phenom, the next phenom of uh, figure skating. The, the, the IOC allows her to compete. She doesn't end up winning the gold medal or anything. She ends up falling in the long program. But just your thoughts about that whole process and allowing her to compete after she's failed a drug test. Huge believer in due process, but the bottom line is she failed a test. She shouldn't have been there. Bottom line, shouldn't have been there. And it's it's pretty unfortunate for all the young skaters out there who give everything they can and everything they've got in all the years of training to do the right thing, to eat right, to sacrifice to get up earlier than everybody else and stay on the ice later than everybody else and do it right. And then for her and her support staff to somehow work in a banned substance that the substance was one that goes towards helping um, endurance for a four minute program. Um, and it can help you late in the routine. You know, if you want to pull off a quad late in the routine, you know, there's a chance that that can help you. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, she's 15, so I don't put it all on her. I put a lot of this on her support staff who are the ones who are guiding her. It's very unfortunate. Um, it's a good thing. She didn't win a medal. No. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a disgrace if they would have, because what they were going to do is they were not going to have a medal ceremony for the other two people that would have won medals had this girl won a medal. They weren't, which to me is totally unfair to the other two participants that have earned it cleanly and all that stuff. And the other thing about this whole story, Tom, is the Russians have a notorious history of doping and, and you know, drugging up their athletes for whatever, re, you know, for whatever you want to have, whatever they want to justify it as. And that makes it worse is when this, when the Russians just continue to have a history of doing this. Where there's smoke, there's fire. So it's yeah. not just an isolated case with, uh, with Russian athletes, sadly. Yeah, no, you're right. All right. We are getting close to March madness. 
March is right around the corner, about another 10 days or so. You are a hoops junkie. You're the voice of the Florida Gulf Coast basketball program. You are all over it as far as the college hoops go. So let's talk a little college hoops. First off, give us a little update on Florida Gulf Coast and how they're doing and as, as they head towards their conference tournament coming up here in a couple of weeks. Equal time to the men and women from FGCU. Yep. The men right now, red hot. They uh, just won their 19th game, five-game winning streak going deep into uh, February now in the ASUN conference uh, schedules. Uh, they've had they had a little bit of a lull midseason in the early part of the conference schedule, but uh, Dunk City alive and well. Okay, got to win the conference tournament to get into March Madness. But this is a team that's pretty deep. Um, yeah, really like them headed into the A Sun tournament. The women uh, always good, almost always make the NCAA tournament. Um, have had some injuries, they've lost some players, but still very good. So the FGC women. Uh, are are terrific. They could very well be back uh, in March Madness as well. Are, are, is is the sentiment that that the I know the women is the sentiment that the women are probably fairly comfortable to get an at large bid if they don't win the conference tournament. You can keep your fingers crossed. Uh, they lost to injury their very best player, Kirsten Bell, who was on watch lists to be. Uh, possibly a player of the year in, in women's college basketball or right up there. Uh, she has been out, may or may not return. Um, without her, FGC was struggled to shoot it very well. They right. just lost a rare home conference game uh, to Stetson this past week. So there are some questions there. Uh, I would have thought before that loss that an at-large was possible an outside chance okay now to me they have to win the conference tournament to get in same with the men i mean again again folks remember most of these smaller conferences if you're not in one of the power five conferences you pretty much got to win your conference tournament in most cases to get it to get a bid to, the, to march madness so a team like florida gulf coast even though they're playing great right now they got to put the three games together or three or four games however many they got to win in that weekend in that conference tournament to get to the big dance pressure 100%. pressure pressure all right we're going to talk a little buy and sell i want you to give me a couple of teams that you like the you know is if you've been watching uh if you've been watching college basketball throughout the year there have been numerous number one teams a lot of parody there has not been that dominant team or two like we've seen in years past so tom james give me a few teams that you'd like to buy Give me a couple teams that you want to sell. All right, Jay Pal, I have picked out 10 teams. 10 teams. And these are all big names, okay? These are all teams that have been in and around the top 10 throughout this season. Yep. I have six buys and four sells, okay? I was trying right. to go five and five, but there's a couple that I still really like. And I, I, I will have my final four picks in this as well. Okay. All right. All right. I like it. So I'll go buy and I'll go sell. My first buy is Duke. Okay. I like uh, the freshman Banchero uh, off the dribble. He's great. They've got a guy in the middle, Mark Williams, that we've seen all year. He's terrific. I, I, I have Duke, and I will call this a buy, but I think they, Coach K falls sort of the final four. I think they go to the Elite Eight. So you can make an argue that that's a sell. 
but uh, I think we'll see Duke at least to the elite eight. All right. Remember coach K's last year here is retired yep. swan song. So there'll be some added emotion is obviously as we get towards into March madness with all that, all the stuff, the interesting thing came out this week. The, the book, a book came out about the, about the coaching hire, about the Duke administration wanted to hire Tommy Amaker. Coach K wanted to hire John Shire. Now there's a little conflict there potentially. So it'll be interesting to see how that, if there's any, any lingering effects of that as we move forward as well. All right, next up. All right, I'm gonna give you a sell. Okay. I'm selling Auburn. Okay. Okay. Down in SEC country, I know they'll probably uh, run me out of town, but I'm selling Auburn. I think they're just a little too undisciplined for me. They rely way too much on Jabari Smith. Um, live and die. I, out in the second round, Auburn. Wow. Wow. Out in the second round. You heard it here first. Wow. All right. Let me give you another sell. Kansas. Bill Talent. Talent. Yes. Always talent. They lack consistency. And and I just Kansas outside <laughs> of the fog, they just lack some juice. Okay. I never like the flow of their offense. Uh Sweet 16 team at best. At they, don't best. Have that elite play, they don't have that elite player, I don't think. They've got good players, but they don't have that one elite guy that Kansas typically has. Agreed. All right. I'll give you another bye. Arizona. Okay. My favorite team out West right now. They're probably going to be a number one seed, depending on how the Pac-12 tournament goes. Uh, as long as Zona is healthy and they have been a little bit banged up to me, best team out West final four for the Wildcats, remember, Arizona to the final four. Yeah. Remember folks, all the turmoil with Sean Miller the last few years, they bring in the, the Gonzaga assistant coach, Tommy Lloyd, big international guy, really good assistant coach has done a great job turning that Arizona program back around into title contention. So that's a good one there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you another buy, and it's also another Pac-12 team, and it's UCLA. They got the experience. Johnny Juzang, Tiger Campbell can run the point. Uh, been a little inconsistent. They lost the uh, the L.A. showdown with USC at the Galen Center Saturday night by three, but they will mesh down the stretch to me, much like they did last year, and I think UCLA gets to the Final Four again. So that if you're keeping score at home, that's two Pac-12 teams I already have wow. in the final four, in the final four. All right. Hey, I'm selling Baylor, the defending national champs, not healthy, not 100%. They've really lost a touch from last year. Baylor out in the Sweet 16. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to focus on a couple of Big Ten teams. Illinois, great seniors. Uh, young guy, R.J. Melendez, but boy, did they have a horrible loss to Rutgers last night. I'm selling Illinois. Selling Illinois, sweet 16 at best for the Illini. Even with, However, the, big man, even, even with the big man in the middle? Cooper? Even with the big man, yes. Okay. Okay, but however, I like Purdue I do a too. lot. I Deepest team in college basketball. You could argue they are have the longest bench in college basketball. 
uh, Ivy, Trevion Williams, very efficient basketball team. Um, I like them in the tournament. Uh, so I, I'm going to have them go into the elite eight, but I consider that a buy. I really like Purdue. Okay. All right. Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Buy or sell? Sell. Uh-oh. Chet Holmgren's huge. The guy has a skill set like a guard. He's nearly seven feet. Nemhart, great assist man. I just think that they peaked last year. Okay. And I, I, I think Gonzaga, it's a little too cluttered for them out west. So I think Gonzaga is a sweet 16 team, and then they're out. Okay. Okay. And I think I'm down to one team left. All right. I'm, I'm going to ask you a couple teams that are close to your heart. USC, they've had a good run. Is that a sweet 16 team? Or are they a, a elite eight team? Well, well, give me your assessment of your guy, Andy Enfield at USC. He's done a great job turning that program around. Yeah, uh, terrific start to the season. A little bit uneven in the middle part, but a huge win uh, against UCLA the other night. They have they had a really tricky game against Pacific, which was uh, – a little odd uh, middle of the season, but I think the Trojans can definitely get to the elite eight. Okay. If not further, but I, I would, if I were to fill out a bracket right now, depending on matchups, I'd probably go elite eight on USC. All right. Kentucky. Well, that was my last team that I was waiting to, uh, to go with here. Huge buy for okay. me for Kentucky. I think this is the best Wildcats team since they went to the final four, when they got to the final four undefeated back in uh, 2015, lost to Wisconsin. Um, telling you what, they are stacked. Ty Ty Washington, uh, Jacob Toppin, big Oscar, the double double machine down low. Yes. To me, to me, Kentucky of my final four teams is my biggest lock. Love the way the Wildcats are playing this year. Okay. I like it. I like it. Any, any teams from the, from the Northeast Villanova Providence is having a really good year. Anybody from the big East that you like? Yeah. Providence has snuck up on some people, but I am a Villanova believer every single year. Uh, Villanova to me is the best team in the Northeast. Uh, so Jay Wright always gets it done always has a disciplined team. They play together. They kids love playing for him. Do. Uh, Jay Wright's got Villanova going deep into the tournament too. And as you I know, like them as a final four team. Yep. As you and I both know, guard play is so critical. Le veteran, veteran guards tend to be the difference makers in these tight games. I like that. There's some good big men in the, in the country. There's Shishibwe. You got Coburn at Illinois. You got some guys out west that are got some good big men. So I like that as well. I, I don't like it when it's nothing but a three-point shooting contest. I like when teams have to have some balance of some inside and outside play, but some excellent, excellent uh, analysis there, Tom. Um, give me a final four. Who are you like in the final four and to cut down the nets? Well, there you go. So I've got UCLA and Arizona in the final four. Okay. 
Just gave you Villanova in the final four, and I've got Kentucky in the final four. I wasn't going to pick a national champion yet, but since you asked, Big Blue Nation, I think Kentucky's going to win it all. You got to give you got to give you got to give the Powers on Sports podcast the first the first coming of your national champion, man. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you have it. A kind of a blue blood final four. Hey, that, that, that would be blue blood for sure with those with those teams for no doubt about it. Tom James, great work. Are you going to be doing the A-Sun tournament at all? You got the A-Sun stuff coming up? Yep, be, be part of that. And, uh, hey, man, don't we live for March? That's it, man. The best three weeks in sports. Not even – it's by a wide margin. Absolutely. 100%. Tell everybody where they can find you online and, and, and on social media. Yeah, check me out at, at Tom James Live. That'll get you Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, check out my website, TomJamesLive.com. Keep up the great work, my man. You're, you're the best, man. Uh, we will see you on the ESPN platforms here doing different things, I am sure. I'm glad you enjoyed a little Super Bowl uh, celebration out in California, out in Malibu. Again, you're look, if you're watching the, the, the video interview, this man is the quintessential-looking California guy right here, buddy. Good-looking guy <laughs> with the blonde hair. And uh, keep up the great work, City of Ocala. Congratulations on all this, the Olympic success for the city, and I know you guys will throw a great party, man. We will see you soon, sir. We're very proud of him. Jay Powell, always a pleasure, buddy. All right, buddy. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, yes, folks, sir. We'll, be, we'll be right back with Peter Blake of the Sports Web on the Powers on Sports podcast. We'll be right back to the Powers on Sports podcast in just a moment. March Madness is just around the corner. We are just a mere couple of weeks away from Selection Sunday. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 1-800-MY-BETUS. You will receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using my special bonus code POWERS22. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as the America's favorite sports book for a ton of reasons. We have the NBA All-Star Game just passing, Major League Baseball coming up. You can bet on virtually anything you want from NBA games, NHL games, player props, team totals, horse racing, golf, player matchups, round matchups, and so much more. They also have an online casino as well, that has hundreds of games and race and race book opportunities for you to bet all around the country. They have every type you can imagine, and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy and with full betting options. Follow my my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity, like I did. BetUS.com. You bet, you win, and most importantly, folks, you get paid. And remember the special promo code just for you, Powers22. You'll receive 125% of a sign-on bonus. BetUS, where the games begin. We'll be back to the podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. If you have any financing and home purchasing needs, reach out to Jason Powers. Yeah, that's me. Titan Home Lending. 
205-790-1404. Titan can help you finance any home purchase in the state of Florida and soon to be Colorado. Whether it's a home, condominium, second home, investment property, Titan Home Lending can help you. VA loans, FHA loans, conventional loans, jumbo loans, renovation loans, anything in between. Give me an opportunity to get you pre-approved Titan Home Lending. If you're moving to Florida from another state, we'd love to help you as well. So many people are moving to the state of Florida and Titan Home Lending can help you from Pensacola to Key West. So again, reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. And now back to the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, folks, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed my chat with my man, Tom James, voice of the Florida Gulf Coast Golden Eagles, as well as Super Bowl participant, you know, worked out the Super Bowl last week. I hope you enjoyed our chat about all things Tom James, because he is a great dude. So next up, my other partner in crime, my man who I did all the post-game, pre- and post-game halftime shows with during the regular season out at Ducky Sports Bar in Tampa. My man, the host of the Sports Web, the online show, part of the Sports Hub. My man, Peter Blake, is back on the podcast. Welcome back, Peter. What's going on, buddy? Long time no see. We got to get you back on the sports web here. You haven't been X'd off the uh, guest <laughs> list. Uh, plenty to talk about, isn't there? I mean, Super Bowl 56, uh, Buccaneer quarterback situations. I'm raring to go. Let's do this. Let's get into it. Let's get right into it. Super Bowl 56, Los Angeles, 23-20 final. Stafford and the Rams get it done late on a late drive in the last two minutes. Cooper Cup scores with about a minute 40 left in the game. Burrow gets the Bengals back to midfield. Second and one at midfield with about a minute 20 to go. Cannot get another yard. Three straight plays and get nothing. Your thoughts, Super Bowl 56. Well, first and foremost, look, uh, Cincinnati early on in that second half got away with something with T. Higgins going for 75 yards. So that was a penalty. So let's get that out of the way. I was disappointed to see the last two minutes of the game once again be decided by the refs. That I was, disagree. Uh, that was disappointing to me. I didn't see a penalty on Wilson, on the linebacker, although you got to give credit to where credit is due. Matt Stafford leading the Rams down on that game-winning drive. Cooper Cup, amazing in this game. What, eight catches for 92 yards, two touchdowns. But it was disappointing to see that because the majority of that game, the refs let them play. Now, with all that being said, you're exactly right. The big-time matchup, and we talked about it over and over again, was the Bengals' offensive line versus the Rams' defensive line, and they failed miserably because Joe Burrow not only got hurt in the game, but was sacked 70 times during the year, and that includes regular season and uh, postseason. So that was the reason why the Rams won the game. Aaron Donald was unbelievable. Cooper Cup was unbelievable. And I tell you right now, if you watch the replay, and I think he's one of the most overrated players in the NFL, and that would be Jalen Ramsey because – Mike Evans toasted and roasted him on supposedly Tom Brady's last touchdown. He fell down. If Joe Burrow has a couple extra seconds, he hits Jamar Chase for a 49-yard touchdown. 
And we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals winning the Super Bowl, Jason Powers. No, I mean, give the Bengals credit for the first half. They, their offensive line played well. Burrow didn't, he, I think he got sacked one time in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard a stat on the last 21 dropbacks of the game for the Bengals, last 21 dropbacks, sacked six times. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the, I mean, it was incredible how that offensive line just melted down in that third and fourth quarter where they played pretty well in the first half. They kept him upright. He got the ball out of his hands. He wasn't holding onto the ball. But the last quarter and a half, it was it was ugly. And again, like you, like we all talked about, that was the matchup of the game. If the Bengals could keep him upright, the Bengals were going to be right there in the game, and they were. Let's get back to let's get back to early in the game. Mm-hmm. Bad break for the Rams on that first play of the second half. T. Higgins, you know, clearly grabs Ramsey's face mask and jolt dislodges him out of position to be able to catch the ball go 75 yards that's a that's a play the back judge has to get that's not the side judge's call the back judge has to see that and he missed that get back to your call late late in the game on the crossing route by cup did the linebacker hook him enough did he hold him i think just personally as an official and you know me i try to be objective i'm not here to defend the officials when you hook them on, when you hook them around that waist a little bit, especially when he's crossing your face on a crossing route, that creates an advantage. Was it the worst holding I've ever seen or the worst interference call? I can't say that, but I think it created enough of an advantage to where he was able to knock the ball away personally. Well, I mean, look, and I understand that, but the way they're calling the game, the majority of it, they're letting him play. So why not let him play in that situation? And of course that opens up Pandora's box, if you will. And people start to say, well, you know, the reason why the Rams won the Super Bowl is because the NFL and the refs wanted them to, no. I would rather them, you know, play it through. I get it. Cooper cup is a tough matchup versus Eli Apple and a linebacker. I get it. Cincinnati's defense is just not good enough, but. Just, I don't know. Well, I, I when would, you say, when you say let him play, Pete, then the play to T. Higgins gets allowed to happen for a 75-yard touchdown. Well, no, I, I agree with you. Cincinnati got the benefit of that call, too. But the majority of the game, you would have to say that the refs let him play, right? I don't think there was a lot of plays in that game before the last two minutes that were even in question as far as was that interference. I thought both teams played pretty well defensively. Up until the, I think when you get to the last two minutes, if you're the if you're the Bengals on defense, right. you're going to be a little more desperate. You know, it's first and goal of the eight or whatever it was, third and goal of the eight. So, you're up against it. You're going to be more aggressive and do something a little more desperate because there's not any time left in the game. So well, to me, I think if you're the official, you have to make that call there. Just like on the next play when Cooper Cup got molested in the corner of the end zone, you have right. to call that. Well, you definitely have to call that, but the linebacker play, I, I didn't, I didn't agree with that. And that gives them second life. And I get it. I understand that the defense has to stand up and stop them. And we knew that the Bengals weren't a good enough defense to do that, but you saw earlier on in the game, not only Cincinnati going for fourth down, which cost them, uh, but also later on in the game, I can't understand. You got Joe Mixon who is going on what 17 carries for 72 yards. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's really killing it in the majority of the year when you have to get one or two yards. And for some unknown reason, and Jack Taylor talked about this today, you know, it was my fault. We should have called a timeout or should have got somebody in there, but we kept Perrine in there. Oh, by the way, that also cost you the game. I don't understand it. You're going shotgun at that point. You're trying to fool somebody. I mean, go under center, run right. Joe Mixon, and maybe you pick up that one or two yards. And instead you're, you're calling a fourth down situation. Yeah. 
which yep. is a mismatch nightmare because that offensive line was like Swiss cheese the other night, especially in that second half when they seem like they pissed off Aaron Donald. <laughs> he was a man possessed after that incident on the sideline where I get it. The Bengals are defending his honor, but it was a clean hit on Joe Burrow. Oh, after yeah. that, it he was just a man among boys, but uh, you know, early on in the game, I saw the Rams hold uh, T Higgins and they didn't call it. I'm just saying, call it consistently. And I've always said that I get it. Being a referee in a, any league is a tough job, but if you're going to call it one way, don't call it the other, just be consistent. No, that, that, that you, you, there, there's a merit there again, big in a big moment of the game for me was, I think the game would have gotten probably a little bit more separation if Odell Beckham doesn't go down with a knee injury, he was no. charbroiling them as the number two option. He was oh, going to have a huge game. And when he went out of that game, that brought the game closer because Skoranek and Van Jefferson are not elite number two receivers at all. That Say means the Bengals could really, really force the coverage on, on Cup and, and squeeze those other guys down. You said Skoranek. Uh, God bless you. And you're exactly right. Uh, OBJ, <laughs> two catches for... 52 yards and he really is dominant and it's a shame because it's yeah. the same ACL he actually tore yeah. last year versus the Bengals so that offense looked absolutely discombobulated uh when he went out uh they got it together of course Cooper Cup once again just being a killer Super Bowl MVP and I'll tell you right now they absolutely deserved it good for Matt Stafford good yeah. for Aaron Donald and what you hear today, which, by the way, it seemed like it was a sparse crowd, and I get it. You're going through COVID restrictions, but goodness gracious, you go from the Tampa Bay you know, boat parade with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to that reaction out in L.A. I don't know what you're doing at that point. Of course, they said they were going to run it back. Uh, the coach is going to come back. There was I, some I, bro, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Sean McVay and Aaron Donald threatening retirement. Please, please stop. All they're all hey, you're Don 30 years old and you're threatening retirement. I mean, all, Don all, all Donald's trying to do is get a new contract. That's he wants it. to be because right now he's like the fifth pay, highest paid defensive player. He is all he's looking for is a new contract. So please shut up, Aaron Donald. Shut yeah. up. Well, I tell you right now, I, I know you wouldn't say that to his face because the guy was flexing today. Uh, he, he should be in like WWE or AEW. I mean, who knows? Maybe WWE should pick him up. It'll be good for his ratings. That guy is just jacked up, and you can see what a nightmare he is to block. And that offensive lineman, uh, whoever it was, you know, it wasn't getting it done versus Donald last Sunday. So uh, I we'll, think we'll see what happens. I think Donald was in the Mike Evans draft. Was he in the Mike Evans draft? He was. He okay, was. Okay, so I know there was a lot of talk that year. Do you take a defensive lineman, Donald, because sure. we needed one to go along with McCoy? Right. And they obviously took Mike Evans. So the Buccaneers, you can't complain about the Buccaneers taking a future Hall of Famer in Evans. No, you can't. And I remember Bill Polian on ESPN saying, look, Lovey Smith is trying right. to draft an Aaron Donald. So I'll ask you, Jason Powers, with what we know about both of those players, would you redraft a Mike Evans? No. Or, yes. would you, or, or would you go with an Aaron Donald? And do you think it would change the fortunes of this Buccaneer team? No, you need you needed a you needed a wide receiver threat at that time. You absolutely needed a number one receiver. He is again, both guys are going to be Hall of Famers. So there's no you can't you can't make an argument of well, we shouldn't we shouldn't have taken Mike Evans. Sure. The guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he's been an elite receiver for his whole career. Yeah, agree, absolutely agree with that. Uh, consistent. Yep. 
8,000 yard seasons now. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, all right, let's get to, first of all, by the way, for you gamblers out there, a bad beat. If you had the Rams minus three and a half and my man, Johnny Hecker with some slick motor oil donut hands on the extra point botch of the extra point, which turns out to be the difference. If you have the Rams minus three and a half. Oops. And they, oops. And they, and they win by three. Thank you very much. I got to play this sound effect. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people excited in Vegas. If you, if you had the Bengals plus the four, four and a half. And obviously if you had the Rams minus three and a half, you were screaming and hollering when you, and you just knew when Johnny Hecker dropped that snap early in the second quarter, uh-oh, this one could come back to roost as far as the point spread goes. And you're exactly right about that. And the Bengals had a lead 20 to 16. You're like, oh, my God, the Bengals may win the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow, do you think they can get back there yes. next year or in a couple years? Or does he become like a lot of – look, Dan Marino in his second year got to the Super Bowl and never got back yep. again. Is it one of those cases? Or do you think that Bengal team and Joe Burrow can get back to the big dance? No, they're going to be a solid team for the next four or five years because a lot of those guys are young, especially on offense. You know, you, you have to get him some linemen. Obviously, that'll be the only focus of the draft and free agency this year for them. To me, will be a little bit of defense and obviously two or three offensive linemen at the minimum as far as you're, you're, uh, about, you're investing your resources in that position because they got a left tackle. But other than the left tackle – the other four spots are up for grabs, and you get you have to overhaul that, just like the Bucks did with Brady. You have to make sure that guy's upright, and if he is, you got a chance to go to some more Super Bowls in the next five six years. And I feel like the available options in free agency, namely an Alex Kappa or Ryan Jensen, will be absolutely yep. on that Bengals radar. For sure, them. no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. And they'll be they they will make a concerted effort to to upgrade that spot because. That's the, you know, defensively, they could use a cornerback and a couple things on defense, but offensively, that's the number one priority for that franchise is to keep Joe Burrow healthy and upright. Because, again, you would hate to see a Joe Burrow turn into Andrew Luck. Great talent, but he gets hit so many times that he's just physically and his body just breaks down from an injury perspective. And, you don't, you, you know, you'd hate to see that. And basically, uh, you know, you've seen Andrew Luck lately. He's lost, like, it seems like he's lost about 30 or 40 pounds. He's got a mustache. He, he kind of looks, you know, like, I don't know what he looks like at this point. Looks like he's trying out to be a porn star or something. Yeah, he, he's always been a little, he's always been a little, little, little odd and quirky as far as his look and his, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, <laughs> was that he is the true. Player? Was it, was it him or was it the other quarterback at USC that stayed in I think I don't think it was him, but I thought it was a quarterback that stayed in to dance, take dancing courses or something. Was yeah, Matt Leinert. Matt Leinert stayed his last year at USC. There you go. Because he wanted to, he wanted to run through the, uh, run through the talent at USC as well on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> game. Well, he wanted to have a lot of post game parties. Yeah, so it kind of cost him a little bit of money because I feel like. If he comes out that one year, more than likely he's the number one overall pick. And I, I think he went like seven or 10 uh, yeah. to Arizona at the time. So he kind of dropped. But yeah, yeah Matt, Matt Leinert lived his best life. You can't, you can't blame Matt Leinert. How much, how many stories that guy could tell about some US, about some USC talent is mm. probably endless. I uh, agree. Absolutely. Just sit down and listen. <laughs> All right, let's get to, let's get to some free agents. Let's get to the Buccaneers quarterback situation. A lot of talk, a lot of speculation. What's going to happen in the next three weeks or so? 
The league year starts March 16th. The combines here in a couple of weeks in Indianapolis. A lot of talk here in the Tampa Bay area and you know around the league. What are the Bucks going to do? A lot of chatter in the last few days. Kyler Murray not happy in Arizona. You got Russell Wilson's situation. Sounds like Carson Wentz is either going to be traded or released, probably released by the Colts. And the wild card name that we're hearing in the last couple of days, Deshaun Watson. Just what are your general thoughts about the Buccaneers court? You think they're going to be big game hunting? And which of those names do you think is a realistic viable opportunity for the Bucs to pursue? Well, thanks to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the quarterback situation, that has made my shows that much easier to do on a given night here because all we have talked about, Jason Powers, is the Tom Brady situation. He has not come out and said officially, I'm retired. He's come out and said the last couple of weeks, never say never, take it day by day. Now you hear rumors that there were friction in the Buccaneer organization. He may want to play for somebody else, but the Bucs own his rights. So could they be holding out hope? I would think so, but I would also think in the next couple of weeks before free agency, you would want to determine if he's going to come back and play or do you have to go out there and uh, big quarterback hunt? And I think you're going to have to because of all the free agents you have. If I'm Chris Godwin and you have Russell Wilson coming to town or Aaron Rodgers or Carson Wentz, right. am I going to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers more than if you tell me you got Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask? Absolutely. And I feel like the Glazers and Jason Light and Spy Tech and Mike Greenberg they're all smart guys. They know how to handle this cap. So everybody's saying, you know what? They're in a cap situation. They can't get out. They can get out of it. They can move money around. Now, the, the case is, who are you going to have to move money around for? You talk about Deshaun Watson. We talked about him at nauseum. 22 allegations. The legal stuff has to work itself out. But not only that, you're going to have to give up three first-round draft picks. And the report came out today that he's gone all Britney Spears and the Bucks are on his radar and the Vikings are on his radar. Don't ask me how I know that. I've got lots of sisters. I'm not surprised by that because as you know, the fans are saying, well, Tom Brady's gone. You're not going to be a playoff team, not even a Super Bowl contender. If you get the right quarterback, you will. So he sees the opportunity. Russell Wilson, 33 years old. You're going to have to pay him some money. You're going to have to move that around. Does he want to leave Seattle? I think he does, but his comments suggest he doesn't want to go. Aaron Rodgers, who knows? So Carson Wentz to me, if he's cut, and I think there's certainly a possibility of that happening because yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you, there could be a, a massive cap hit there. Uh, you get him for nothing, a Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe you get him for nothing. Even a Jameis Winston, as crazy as it sounds, I'm throwing it out there. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's being mentioned because Winston knows this offense. I think those are more likely scenarios. But then I'll sit here and tell you, I didn't think Tom Brady was going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and it happened. So who knows what Jason Light, B.A., and the Glazers have up their sleeves. It's going to be very interesting, Jason Powers, in the next couple weeks. I, I think, again, you're going to see a lot of speculation and chatter at the Combine because that's where a lot of these deals happen with right. agents, executives, team guys. They're all talking in secrecy at these Combine at the combine. So you're going to see a lot of chatter at the combine that that's going to create a lot of speculation about what the bucks do or don't do. Again, if Deshaun Watson was clear, free and clear of these allegations, hmm. he's worth three number one picks, especially if you know, you're going to be drafted late in the first round. 
You yeah. give up three number ones all day long for a 25-year-old quarterback that's under contract for another four or five years at a manageable salary cap number. No concern bringing him in that locker room. Or Again, the- I agree that, that he's they're going to have some PR work to do with the community when sure. you bring in a guy, especially after you had Jameis Winston with his the allegations w- with Winston. Yes, from a PR perspective, you're going to definitely have some questions to answer and some serious things to answer. But if he were to get exonerated or if he doesn't settle type deal and, think, and these cases are dropped, that's a different story. I, I get it. You can't bring him in not knowing what the situation is. But if, if the situation gets resolved somehow in the next month, mm-hmm. you I would give up two to three no, ones for, for Deshaun Watson at, at this, this stage of his age and his productivity in his career so far. And look, if it was just based on talent, it would be, you know, a no-brainer at that point. But what it comes down to is if you trade for him, you don't know if Roger Goodell and the NFL right. are going to suspend him 8 to 12 games. And then on top of it, you know, the Bucks have just gone through this A-B situation. Do they want to bring on another distraction? So I'm not really sure if they're going to go that direction. I understand it, his youth. Uh, what he can bring on the field, but the off the field stuff, I think would scare this organization. You could go with a guy like a Russell Wilson, possibly Carson Wentz, a Jimmy G, somebody out there like Wilson. Wilson's the guy I think you keep an eye on. I think that's the guy 33 years old. You could sign him to a five-year contract. You could, you could trade two number ones and a player. They got some young defensive backs that you could trade a Jamel Dean or somebody like that. You had to, to, to sweeten the deal. I think Russell Wilson's the guy to be on the lookout for. If you can convince him and Sierra that Tampa's a big enough market for her music career and all that stuff, I think that's the guy that you look out for if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. Absolutely. And and if you're Chris Godwin and you sign a Russell Wilson, are you coming back? You absolutely believe he's coming back. And, you know, some of the estimates right now are four years, $70 million. And according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, Godwin is excited to hit the market. And I get that. But, Really, you go to a situation, you have Mike Evans on one side. I mean, why leave Tampa if you get a decent quarterback? And that's not Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask. And I think Trask could be a guy that eventually contributes to this team. I'm just not sure if he's ready. And the Bucs have told you he's not ready because Jason Light was asked about it. And he said, I'm not going to call him the heir apparent. We're going to explore every avenue. And Wilson definitely might be on that list. Now, the report on Sunday from Chris Mortensen about Kyler Murray does that uh, give you you know pause for calls if you will saying you know what he's got a red flag he's uh immature uh Mike here's the deal if you trade for if you trade for Kyler Murray he's not going to go for the trade unless you sign him to a contract extension they're not going to he's not going to come over to Tampa without a new contract that's going to be part of any deal if he were to get traded does he, fit huh? BA's, does he fit a B.A.'s offense? He's progressively every year gotten better. He's a young quarterback. But what you hear from Mike Garofalo of NFL Media yeah. is that he basically quit. He said he's done to Colt McCoy. He didn't want to go back in. That's why the organization was like, you know what? This guy needs to step up. He needs to be more mature. He needs to have more of a voice in that locker room. I mean, do, does that you kind of say, because I was asking Dennis Phillips on my show tonight, and he said, well, I didn't know that. You know, that would kind of, you know, right. sway me away from picking up a Murray. Would that sway you away, Jason Powers, from picking up? I mean, up? again, I would I don't know enough of I mean, I know I know he's had some contentious situations with the organization and right. he seems to be a little bit not 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 the greatest leader in the world. I get that. 
I mean, again, would I pay the farm for Kyler Murray? No, I wouldn't trade two or three number ones. But if I could get him for a one and a player, maybe. Because remember, if you make a trade for a Wilson or a Watson or one of these guys, uh, Trask might be going the other way to the other team. So that might be a situation where the other team wants a quarterback that they could potentially develop. Houston, uh, Seattle could say, hey, we'll take Kyle Trask. He's a cheap option as part of the deal because – you're obviously saying if you sign one of those guys, Trask is not going to be the guy in Tampa. And, and to but, me, I think I think the Philadelphia Eagles are in on this because they have multiple first-round picks this year. Yep. And on top of it, they can offer a Jalen Hurts. The thing is, does Russell Wilson yeah. want to go to Philadelphia? Does right. Deshaun Watson want to go to Philadelphia? And as many right. uh, as as much as that team may want those you know, draft picks, it also is up to that player. So I think this is an attractive destination. I still think they're a playoff team. You just right now got to figure out that quarterback situation. It starts with Brady. It kind of ends with Brady. And it will be interesting to see if this Buccaneer organization in the next couple of weeks kind of gives some clarity to the situation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, in, in, in the clarity of the situation is also going to affect Bruce Arians. Because if they can't land one of these big quarterbacks, don't be surprised if Bruce Arians retires and they name either Leftwich or Byron or, or uh, Todd Bowles, the coach. I don't let think this. Let me ask you this. Let me let me throw this out there because I heard this on a show this week. Do you think there was friction enough for Brady to retire and it's possibly B.A. and the way he's handled things? Because what you hear from other and I get it, you know, it's news time. You're, 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 you're trying to create news in, in the cycle, but multiple sources have said this that there was friction with Brady and the organization that he felt like it was too unbuttoned. It wasn't buttoned up enough as new England was. Do you feel like if Brady has to come back, not only do the bucks have to prove they're all in and re-sign most of their free agents, but is there a possibility that Brady wants BA to step aside for a younger coach like a Byron Leftwich and let Brady have more control over that offensive play calling? That's, that's, that's an interesting thought. I, I, again, I heard the, the, the rumors that there was some friction. I don't know what, what friction Tom was, you know, he was pretty much, if you don't think he wasn't calling a lot of those plays, you don't think that B.A. didn't allow him to recreate the offense around his skill set, I think we're all crazy because we all know that happened last year at the bye week. I think so too. I absolutely think so. But you, know, you just hear different things and, and different people saying, you know, what was different in the building. And uh, this is more from, you know, J.P. Peterson, who's, you know, a friend and, yeah. I watched his show and he had Solomon Wilcox on from NFL media. And he was saying, look, it was tougher in the building. And it was like, they were telling him, you know, we're going to do it this way instead of the way that it worked when you guys won the Super Bowl. And Brady was kind of miffed by that. And if that's what happened, and I also threw this out there. And again, this is just me speculating. I don't have any insight on this, but could there have been a situation where look, AB gets the fake vaccination card. BA says, you know what? I don't want you on the team. And Tom says, you know what? We have to have him on the team. And there's a little bit of a rift. And then basically AB quits. And that rift continued because of Brady sticking his neck out in the line for an AB. Do you think that's a possibility? Tom, if Tom Brady is holding Bruce Aarons responsible for Antonio Brown, that's pretty weak on Tom Brady's part because, you know, Tom Brady, he made it, made it very apparent, Bruce Aarons did, that he didn't want Antonio Brown. He allowed Tom to bring him in, gave him every chance in the world to, to, to skate by and not get in trouble. Antonio Brown did this to himself and did it to Tom Brady. Antonio Brown screwed Tom Brady. Agreed. And the Buccaneers. 
Agree. And I'm trying to figure out what the turmoil comment was from Levante David at the end of the season. And I figure, you know, it's the biting of the locker room. It's the AB situation. Who knows? But it seems like there was something not right. I agree. I think you're going to see a lot of changes on the Buccaneer defense. I think they're going to be some, some of the older guys are going to be gone. The JPPs of the world. Sue may probably won't be back. Gronk won't be back unless, uh, unless Brady were to return. You know, O.J. Howard's probably going to be gone. So there's going to be some turnover on the roster, and they need to get younger. They need some younger blood in there. You're going to see a couple of these draft picks of the last couple of years get an opportunity to play, whether it's Hainsey at center. You're going to see either Kappa or Jensen or both are going to be gone. One of those two for sure is going to be gone, most likely Kappa. Jensen might stay, depending on the price. But, again, Hainsey's going to be in the mix. Again, it wouldn't shock me. If Donovan Smith is traded and Wirfs has moved over to left tackle, wow. wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. Again, wouldn't shock me because, again, that's a salary cap situation for the Buccaneers. You could cut a lot of salary right there by trading Donovan Smith. And somebody would trade for Donovan Smith. He's a good enough tackle at that price. Somebody would trade for him. You well, could get you could, a third or fourth round pick for that guy. No problem. Well, you could definitely blow up that offensive line, or you could restructure some deals and free up some money. And the Bucks have been known to do that. I still think they like Donovan Smith, even though Smith struggled versus Von Miller uh, in that playoff game. But, uh, you know, Tristan Wirfs, his natural position right in college was what, the left side? Left side, yeah. he played from left side. I don't think it's his natural, usually the right. But I, I don't know. I think you don't necessarily have to blow up the offensive line. What you have to do, you have to look at your figures, right? I mean, who is more important? Is it Ryan Jensen? Still one of the best centers in the league. Pro bowler, Alex Kappa, also what a pro bowler uh, for this team. Uh, but he's going to cost a pretty penny, uh, a lot younger. I you feel got like Stinney. Gonna, Remember, uh, you got Aaron Stinney. You can plug uh, in for Kappa. Correct. Exactly. That's played well, that's, and he's played well. Right. I think that's where you go. You keep Hansy as a swing uh, player because he uh, very versatile. I could center. They trained him at center a lot this year too. He's right. kind of been thought, talked about as being the heir apparent at center for Jensen. Right. And you also have Nick Leverett. Uh, so they have some depth on this offensive line. So if you let an Alex Kappa go, it's not the end of the world because like right. you said, Aaron Stenny has played well in his absence. He showed that in the Super yep. Bowl year. So again, it's not all doom and gloom, but for me, the priorities on this team, namely is Chris Godwin. You got to get him signed. I get it. He's coming off an injury. And the report is from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. The Bucs would have already had this extension done, if not for his injury. Of course, coming off a year with 98 receptions and really an integral part of this offense in the slot. And then a Carlton Davis. I mean, who do you yes. franchise? I think you franchise a Carlton Davis. Yep. You try to get uh, a Chris Godwin sign, but it comes down to, Jason, who do you get at quarterback? If I'm Chris Godwin, right. Right. I can go to a better situa- situation with a better quarterback. I mean, who's to say you wouldn't go to the Packers if the Packers supposedly are all in and they're willing to pay the money? Could you imagine if you re-sign a Devontae Adams and you get a Chris Godwin? That's a scary, scary lineup. I don't want to think about that. So very important for the Bucs to make a decision here in the next couple of weeks on who their quarterback is going to be going forward. Here's the problem with God. Here's the thing I think is going to favor the Bucs keeping Godwin. One, the knee injury. He's not going to be ready to go till late in training camp. It's not going to be like he's ready to go in, in May. He's not going to be ready to go minimum till probably August. And even this whole first year could be one of those years where he's, he's just recovering from the injury and not back to his full self. Who knows? Hopefully that's not the case, but I can't see another. I, I know he's a good guy and all that stuff, but bottom line, he's, he's got a knee injury. 
a major mm-hmm. knee injury. Yeah. I don't know if a team's going to say, here's $75 million to Chris Godwin. I think he would take a discount to get the payday from the Buccaneers personally. And again, I think part of his decision will be what the quarterback situation is, but he also realizes I got a great number one on one side. I don't have to deal with all the coverage. Mike Evans gets a lot of it. I'm going to have a good offensive scheme in place here. I don't have to move my family, warm weather, better on my knee, grass, all those things play into a decision when you're coming off a major knee injury. Great points. And, but we know that bad teams are overpaid, but I, I think Chris Godwin re-signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I actually think the Bucs need to invest in a third wide receiver because yes, you know, Tyler Johnson Absolutely. developed enough. I love Tyler Johnson. I interviewed him a long time ago at the Outback Bowl. Seems like a good kid, but drops way too many passes. No. Not consistent enough. Scotty Miller not involved in the offense. Jalen Darden, who knows yeah. what you're going to get from him. You may have to go out and get a free agent wide receiver, or you may look to the draft and get somebody because there's Absolutely. some, some no, kids no out there, namely a guy from Penn State, uh, Jahan Dotson, who didn't play in the bowl game, disappointed and get a chance to see him in the Outback Bowl. He could fit in this, uh, you know, Buccaneer offense, and also a Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. And another name, and another name that you could probably get at that at that spot of the draft because he's coming off an injury. Jamison Williams, Alabama, even if he doesn't play next year, if you draft him knowing he's going to be ready to go full blown the next year, he could be a guy that replaces a Mike Evans as he gets older, replaces a Godwin to be your deep speed threat. And that's what the Buccaneers need is a speed threat. And Jamison Williams is a burner. Yeah, you can't teach speed, my man, my friend. You can't teach it. Greasy speed, as Mickey would say to Rocky in that movie. Greasy speed, you got to have it. And hopefully uh, the Bucks will be looking at that. All right, let's get to one more topic. I'll get you out of here. Let's get to the Rays Stadium. Lots of speculation now that they're trying to get a deal done here in Tampa. <laughs> I know you are a huge, huge fan of Mr. Sternberg. Wink, oh. wink, 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 wink. Yes. I, I don't know what was worse. That proposal to do the sister city plan, which was asinine Jason Powers from the very beginning, or the Zoom press conference where nobody knows what the hell is going on. And consequently, that's how I felt about the Rays in this whole situation. They don't know what the hell was going on. They thought they had Major League Baseball's approval. They didn't. Look, we're turning the page. I hope it ends up in Tampa. But at the end of the day, I also hope that Sternberg will not only pay half for this stadium, but also when he gets the stadium that he wants, that he doesn't become the Miami Marlins where he sells off the whole team, the whole team. I hope they stay competitive and please, you know, he talks about this in the zoom conference. You know, I want to see more attendance. Hey, Stu, I want to see you spend over a hundred million dollars. I want to see you. Uh, be a uh, top 15 spending team in major league baseball. Can we Peter, have that? Peter, we've Come had on. this discussion. Say what you want about Sternberg as, as a frugal, the guys put a hundred win team on the field the last several years. And say what many, you want. How many world championships is that? Okay. That's a, that's a managerial problem. That's not a Stu Sternberg problem. Who makes that's that a Kevin team? Cash problem. Who makes that decision at the end of the day? Okay. You want him to fire Kevin Cash? No, I want him to stay out of it. I want Kevin Cash to be the manager. I don't think Kevin Cash is making all those managerial moves. I think it's from the 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 front office. And I'll tell you this, Jason, and we've gotten into this conversation. 
The majority of the teams that have won the last 15 years are over $100 million. So why do you think you can fake the funk? I mean, think about it. If you decided instead of what? Can we get 20,000 people on a Saturday night? Yeah, you can. You usually can't get 20,000 on a Saturday night. Not really. The problem is you can't draw on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. You know why? Yeah. Because they don't do anything to make it an event. Well, and that's you know why I want the new stadium. That's well, why I need the stadium. You know, I want them to spend $100 million. I want them to re-sign a Charlie Morton. I want them uh, to re-sign a, a guy like Blake Snell instead of going out there and thinking that you're the smartest person in the room by getting a Chris Archer, by getting a Rich Hill, by getting another pitcher that's not going to be on this roster because consequently, yes, you are a 100-win team, but you meet the Boston Red Sox and you run out of starting pitching because you wanted to be cheap. That's the no, they run out of starting pitching because that's their formula analytics is not, they run out. They don't run out of arms. They, you know, that's they the philosophy. You can argue the philosophy. You can argue the analytics versus non-analytics, but what you can't argue is he's put a winning product on the field to the Tampa Bay community. And they've shown, we've shown we're all part of this community. We've not supported it enough. Forget, forget about whether you like analytics or not. On a Tuesday night when there's 8,000 people when the Yankees are in town or when a good team's in town, that's abysmal when your team's winning 90 to 100 games. Why should I go when the owner tells me every time, you know what, I can't. Why do, they go, why do they go in the playoffs? Why do they go in the playoffs then? Why do they go in the playoffs? Because they do a hell of a job. But you know what? They haven't won a world championship, okay. Jason. The, Jason, the blueprint is out there. How do they compare to the Tampa Bay Lightning? They don't. You know why? Because Jeff Finnick and the ownership go all in. How do they compare to the Glazers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They don't because the Glazers and the Bucks go all in. Do the Rays go all in? No, because they, they have a, they have there a, you go. They, that's they, the reason they don't, why they, they don't because they don't have the fight. They don't have the, the gold mine chest that, that the lightning have with 20,000 in the stadium. Really? They don't get it. They don't get a check from the NHL and the NFL for they don't? it's, it's, it's not, it's not revenue sharing. They don't so, share the revenue in baseball. So, wait a minute. So the Yankees and the Red Sox don't share that revenue with them. No, yes, they do. Yes, no, they, do. they give them that revenue because uh, they don't, oh, no. they're a small market team, but I will tell you this, show me the books because I tell you, if you try to show me the books at the yeah. end of the day, what you're going to find out is Stu Sternberg is taking money and putting it in his pocket instead of investing in the team. And over the time that he's been the owner, how many fan favorites has he gotten rid of? That's the reason why you have low attendance, not only location, but also because the fans don't give a damn and they shouldn't give a damn. You know why? Because the blueprint has been put out there. So you're, it is so you're half-ass. Okay. All right. So you're telling me you weren't a fan of trade when, when, when Chris Archer got traded for glass now in Austin Meadows, that's not a hell of a trade. I'm not saying it's not a hell of a trade. I'm not he saying he was a fan favorite. Moves. When he got but traded, he was a fan there, favorite. There are other guys that they've gotten rid of over time that okay. fans have been upset with. And it's also the comments, constant comments. By I Steve agree. Stover. He needs to keep his mouth shut. He needs there to keep you, his mouth shut. There you go. Let the truth set you free, as Jim Carrey would say. And liar, liar. You're exactly right. And that is basically been a storm of suck. For these fans, fans don't want to hear that. Blue-collar people like ourselves, who what, make 32000 in this area, don't
don't want to hear a multi-millionaire say, you know what? I need a new stadium. And if you're not going to pay for it, well, I'm going to get rid of the fan favorites. You know what, Stu? Screw you. I'm going to go watch the Tampa Bay Lightning and give my money because they're all in. I'm going to go watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're all in. Why should I watch the Tampa Bay Rays when I know the owner is looking at other cities to go to and basically has admitted and looked this up that he's a freaking Mets fan? Okay. Uh, Again, I'm not going to argue that. I can't argue that because I don't know all the facts on that. But I would say this. If the guy had a stadium and a revenue source where the corporate community was supporting them, like the Lightning, Amelie Arena, I can promise you if the Lightning were playing at the fairgrounds like they used to back in the day, they wouldn't be spending that kind of money on all the guys that they're spending money on because the revenue sources are not there. So a stadium is it's a direct relationship between a new facility and the revenue streams that open up with the new facility. Again, I'm not saying Sternberg's done everything right, but what he has done that's undeniable, he's put a winning product on the field with this much revenue, and that's to be commended. You have to commend that from an organizational perspective. I think from the organizational perspective, it's the reason why you do that is because you want to do that. If you put in an extra, what, $20, $30 million, we wouldn't be talking about the Rays running out rookie pitchers. We would be talking about Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. And instead, they're cutting costs. Look, fans, I get it. Some fans love prospects. But prospects aren't going to win now. They're going to but win years. That thought, that 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 cutting prospect, trading the prospect for the prospects is a result of them not having the revenue streams from a stadium. If they had the revenue streams, you had another twenty or thirty million dollars in revenue coming in through merchandising, parking, whatever, at a new stadium, they wouldn't have to get rid of the Charlie Mortons of the world. They could keep those guys. You really believe that? Because, I mean, they have, I do. they have a TV deal, too, that they signed. I mean, this, this all falls on Stu. I mean, he's such a great businessman, and you want your own stadium, build it. Be like Jerry Jones and build it. Why do you have to hold a community hostage to build your own stadium? If you have all this money. He doesn't have the money. Business, I think he, he, think he has way more money. money than he does. He absolutely has the money. And you know why you know he has the money? Because his minority owners are suing him right now. And the reason why most likely Major League Baseball didn't approve the sister plan is they know that he's holding money back. Look it up. I'm telling you. He's not. But he has no obligation. He he does have obligation. Again, do I I think the Tampa Bay market should build him a stadium scot-free? No way. He should be he should be into that stadium at least 40%, 30 to 40% ought to be coming out of his. 50%. No. I mean, that's, come on. That's not gonna happen, bro. 50%. That's not gonna happen. How can you not pay for half of a stadium? This doesn't happen these days. I mean, we're yes, in it does. a pandemic. The who who pays half for a stadium? Uh, I'll tell you who the Miami Marlins paid uh for the majority of the stadium, and guess what happened? They got screwed on that deal. And then on top of it, the owner got rid of all their all-star okay. players, namely. Okay. And we, and, okay. Let's talk about, again, let's talk about the Glazers. How much did they pay for their stadium? Look, I agree with you on that. That was a sweetheart deal, but times have changed my okay. friend. And then in another, in a, in another seven or eight years, when, when, when the Glazers decide that Raymond James is outdated, do you think they're going to pay 50% of that stadium? Probably. No way. Probably not, but they will pay for that stadium to a certain degree. They will find a way. And then on top of it, it's a football state. Okay, let's just 
let's not fake the funk here. This is a football state any way it goes. But if you have an owner, again, constantly saying, you know what? I can't sustain. I don't want to be here. The fans are garbage. Say that to the politicians. Don't say that to the blue-collar, hardworking people in St. Pete and the Tampa Bay area. It doesn't fly here, especially when there's other options. And that is the problem. The fans know that Stu wanted other options, and now he fell right on his face. So, to me, he should pay 50% of the stadium. And then on top of it, the fans of the Tampa Bay area, not just St. Pete, but the Tampa Bay area, should make him sign a contract where he is competitive every frigging year or he doesn't get a new stadium. How about that? Yeah, you're in dreamland, my man. You're my man. I? I love you, man, but you're in dreamland. I love you too, brother. We're tag team partners of the world here, but I'm just were, were we saying Were we saying that about the Lightning for three years ago when they were getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs? And you the years why? before that, you when they why? weren't making the playoffs? You know why, Jason? It's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned it because Jeff Vinnick didn't come in here and say, you know what? I can't get support from my fans. So no, yeah, because he had a he had a ready made arena. He had a he had a ready made arena. It wasn't like it was we weren't playing at the fairgrounds. First and foremost, they won a Stanley Cup a long time ago. Second, he endeared himself to the fans. He gave them jerseys. He reached out to them. He became a part of the community. Stu Starberg comes off as a New York asshole. I agree. I agree. That part of it, I'll give you credit. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the point on that. He doesn't do much publicly that we see involved in the community. What, what he's doing behind the scenes that we don't know about, who knows? He might be writing the checks to 10 different charities that we have no idea. That part, I give you full credit. He does not do a great job of publicly broadcasting what he does he to help is the community. a public relations nightmare. I would say he is one of the worst owners in professional sports because of what he's tried to do with holding this community hostage. Okay. All right. Well, do you think there's going to be a stadium in Tampa or St. Pete or neither? I hope it's in Tampa, but I don't know. I mean, say it just seems like once again, he's trying to pit both of these cities against each other. And I get it. That's a part of negotiation at the end of the day. I hope it ends up in Tampa because long-term I definitely think they can draw on the emphasis that he shuts his mouth, puts out a competitive team every year and doesn't have excuses for getting rid of fan favorites. That's it. If he goes all in like the Tampa Bay lightning and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there could be baseball fans here. They showed over the weekend. But fans is, want to come out to an event. They don't want what, to come what, what has Bill Belichick done for 20 years as the coach of the Patriots? He's gotten rid of fan favorites one year early. Okay. And how successful has he been? Uh, well, it doesn't all, for me, it doesn't always work because here's the thing. Bill Belichick and the Patriots are totally different. They've won championships. How many championships have the Tampa Bay Rays yeah, the, won at that time? But they've been in two World Series in the Does last – you have the Arizona Diamondbacks who won one and the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, now that have won two. Show me championships. If we're talking about Tampa Bay, show me the money. And Stu Sternberg doesn't do enough of that, and that's why you don't have the fans. You should be killing, you should be killing Kevin Cash about the World Series, not Stu Sternberg. Oh, you're absolutely right. That was a Kevin Cash I, I disaster. I don't necessarily think that was a cash decision. I think that was on. Sure it was. You're the manager. You're the manager. Way. Have some cojones and say, Blake Snell, you're staying in the game. I don't care what the GM says. You're staying in the in the game, Blake Snell, in the sixth inning. Sorry. 
Eric Neander and company upstairs. Snell's staying in the game. Fire me if you want to, but Snell's staying in the game. That's all you have to say if you're Kevin Cash. Brother, that's why I love you, because you're preaching to the choir. I said the same thing. In fact, if if Blake Snell stays in that game, say that three times, almost did that. If he stays in the game, they most likely take that to game seven. Okay, again, you never know what happens in game seven. Who knows? But that's the problem. You're 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 too much on this analytic stuff. I get it. They have success, but what have they done in the postseason? And that's what fans okay. look at. And when you have training, okay. I'm going to give you the. Op- I'm going to give you one more thing. We'll be done. Okay. The Dodgers. The Dodgers up until last year got to the playoffs, got to the World Series all time, never could win it. Were you, was that not a successful franchise when you get Absolutely. to the playoffs and World Series every time, but don't win it? But what do they do? What do they do to get them over? They went no, all they didn't they in. didn't spend they didn't spend any more money last year than they spent the last three years before that when they didn't win. They made the right moves. They got Andrew Friedman, who by the way was with the Rays. I mean, how would you feel if you're a Rays fan and you see Joe Madden walk out the door for what? 1.3 million dollars. You see him win a World Series, you see Ben Zobers win a World Series, you see David Price win a World Series. How would you feel as a Rays fan? You would feel like, you know what, when we get to the postseason. Well, we're only going to get so far. And I love it. You know, race fans. Well, you know, it, it, we, we spent last, we went to the thrift store and got some nice stuff, but okay. we didn't close the deal. You know, it's like going to a dance again. We, we talked about it working out. How's it working out for the angels and Mike Trout spending all that money on players for garbage that they lose 95 games every year. Again, the majority of the spending time, a ton of money, the majority of the time, you'll look at this as a statistic. The teams that spend over $100 million win a World Series. And the times that the Tampa Bay Rays have gotten to the World Series or won a division, what has been their most of their salary? At the most, it's been like $70 million. That's unacceptable. Just think about it. Add $30 million, you add a couple players, and guess what? You probably win a World Series, right? I don't know. That's that's, It's called called sports. We don't know. That's, that's what no. sports. The, the majority, the majority, of the, there's one team with the exception of this. It's about it's signing it. the right players. It's I not about just you. making a trade. It's about getting the right players at the I, right time. I agree with you, but it's also the stinginess and the cheapness, which by the way, Tampa Bay fans have gone through with Hugh Culverhouse for all those years with the Bucks. So you got a guy saying, saying, trying to do the same thing. And you're telling, you're trying to tell me they, that they added, is- they added, they added $15 million of payroll at the trade deadline last year. Nelson Cruz, everybody loved it. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. Or maybe, enough. or maybe that Nelson Cruz just didn't play very good in the playoffs. And who's, and whose fault was that? That's Go not, on. that's not Stu Sternberg's fault. That's Nelson oh. Cruz's fault. Well, it's Nelson Cruz's fault, but it's also Stu who made a decision along with the front office. And Come once on. again, I know you hate, I know you hate the guy, but you got to give him a little credit. A little I'm bit. Him, I'm giving the race credit, but I'm telling you what the statistics show. Everybody could sit there and say, well, you never know. Yes, you do. If you spend over a hundred million, the team that was closest, not closest to hundred million was, I believe the 2013 giants that spent 94 million. The Rays have never been in that vicinity. If you uh, just imagine if you spent over a hundred, if you spent a hundred to over a hundred million dollars, are you a world series champion in 2008? Well, you only spent 52, right? That year. And you got to the champion. Could you imagine if you added a Jason Bay? How about all the years there where you traded pitchers at the deadline instead of making moves for pitchers like a Cliff Lee or Roy holiday. God bless his soul. How come you didn't make those type of moves? That kind of stuff right there 
festers on a fan's mind. And that's the reason why fans here right now, if I, I have the lightning shirt on, why fans love the Tampa Bay Lightning and love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're all in, my friend. They're so are you, you going to not? Are you going to not be a Buccaneer fan if they decide to go with Kyle Trask? No, I'm not going to. No, not. I have to cover the Bucks, but there's not a lot of diehard Rays fans out there. There are some, but you also have to draw the fringe fan in. And if you're not drawing the fringe fan in, and you don't have the diehard fan because you're pushing them away because you're not all in, then you have the eight thousand that you started with. I love you, man. We disagree you, on this, but I love you. We got to do this on the sports web, man. This is a battle royale. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Tell everybody where they can find John Line. (laughs) Yes. Monday and Wednesday nights live on the Evolution of Sports Talk Television, 9 o'clock on I Love St. Pete on Facebook and the Hub. Of course, like and subscribe to the sports web. Three things here, as my tag team partner would say, bring your passion, bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake. Giving you something to think about. And by the way, happy Valentine's Day to Stu Sternberg. He is not my sweetheart. <laughs> can you, can, and more importantly, can you tell the damn players and the owners to come to an agreement, please, on this lockout? I mean, could they? I mean, could, could you be any worse of a situation, Jason Powers? I mean, you're going through a freaking pandemic. You have the NFL, which is at the top of their game, NBA, NHL, and you have these buffoons out there. And baseball is America's pastime. I hate to say that because my dad would absolutely kick my ass if he were alive today with me saying this. But baseball is America's pastime, and it's going to continue to pass on because these millionaires are fighting these multi-millionaire billionaires. Nobody gives a stuff. Come up to the, the meeting room. Get it done. Get a baseball season going and stop this nonsense. Nobody who's blue collar in this area or any other area has any understanding of any of this nonsense. And the other bad part is just a lot of local communities, especially in Florida, are getting killed this month by no spring training games. The restaurants, the hotels, the rental cars. So the whole Florida economy is really going to be affected if spring training gets sliced in half as opposed to years past. Shocker. I mean, Major League Baseball has been so disgusting to this organization. I mean, we could go down the list of Passing on this uh, this uh, area with the Marlins going to Miami, using us for the Chicago White Sox and San Francisco Giants and Seattle Mariners. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I just want to see baseball at the end of the day. I'm a race fan. I love the race. I just can't stand their philosophy. If they spent $100 million, I, I tell you right now, I, I would I'd probably be a happier person. I'd probably send uh, Stu Sternberg a Christmas card. Hell, I may even send him some Valentine's candy after that. Woo. Well, great, great opinion, great passion, my man, Peter Blake. Thank you. We will see you soon. Uh, Hopefully, I'll get off the execution list over on the sports web over there. <laughs> Maybe I'll get off a of death row over there. Apparently, I'm on death. I'm I'm in death row. I'm on death row. <laughs> not with me, buddy. You're not on death row. It's not your last meal. Not on the sports web. You're always welcome, my friend. Your family. You're my brother. All right, man. Keep up the great work, man. We will talk real soon as we get into the, uh, the baseball season, and uh, keep up the great work, my man. Appreciate you. All right, we'll see you next week, folks, on the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. 
Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.